Whoo, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Um, I was in the back videoing that and, you know, holding the camera and I'm it's just a lot of work. Hey, parents, idea, Christmas, bucket, two sticks. Well, bam, good to go. <laughs> okay. Rhythm. It's intrinsic to our world. Um, it's part of creation. If you just look and listen carefully enough, you, you realize it's all around you. And, and it's not just, you know, it's not just in the, the tapping of buckets or in the music we listen to and the music or the music we dance to. There's rhythm. You know, there's rhythm in the way that day dissolves into night and night awakens into morning. There's rhythm to our seasons as the active growth of uh, spring and summer gets quieted by the dormancy of fall and winter. Uh, there's tidal rhythm, the ebb and flow of the ocean as, um, as, it, as it crashes on the land and then retreats. There's rhythm in the beating of every single human heart. It's the rhythm of life itself. And it's this reality of rhythm that serves as the backdrop to the fourth commandment that God gave to His people Israel in Exodus chapter 20. And I want to talk about that with you this morning for a little bit. So I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Exodus 20. Um, As most of you know, we're in a series called It Starts With Ten, which we're looking at the Ten Commandments. And uh, this week is week four. If you've missed any of the first three, you need to go online to our website and listen to them because it's important to hear each of them. They build on each other. Uh, one of the key things that we've learned so far in this study is something people, mo- uh, most people often look, uh, overlook, and that is that God gave these commandments uh, to the Israelites after they left Egypt. The people were uh, rescued and set free by the grace and power of God, not by keeping these directives. These were given to them because, well, because, of, the, of, because of their freedom. It was a new experience. After 400 years of slavery and having their lives regulated by Egyptian law, they were now on their own. And they were wondering, you know, how are we going to survive as a nation? How do we live in safe, sustainable community? And that's, that's where the commandments come into play. God gives these to help his people understand how healthy human life and relationships and community uh, is supposed to work, how it's meant to be. And so God says to the people of Israel, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Therefore, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. Three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And then command number four here in verse eight, God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, uh, I'm going to assume that this idea of a day of rest is not something completely new uh, to any of you. The fact that you're here on some level indicates that that's true. Uh, Historically speaking, ever since Jesus' resurrection, which took place on a Sunday morning, his followers, Christians, have made it a custom to meet on Sunday to honor and and celebrate that history-changing event. In fact, the Apostle John and his... uh, biography of Jesus records that on that first Sunday following his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the disciples and said, peace be with you. And then the next Sunday he appeared to them again. 
And from that moment on, throughout the New Testament, Paul, Peter, John, all refer to Sunday as the Lord's Day. And throughout the days of the early church, uh, and for the past 2,000 years, Sunday has been the accepted time for Christians to meet and worship. And in so doing, uh, it's considered an act of obedience to the fourth commandment. And um, let me just say that Christians have been discussing the relevance of this command you know, to our lives for centuries, and all I get is 25 minutes. So uh, in the short time that I have, I want to deal with, with the basics uh, of this Sabbath day issue. Okay, So let's begin with basic definitions. Uh, God says to the people, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Our English word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew term Shabbat. And if you notice, the the words look very similar. They sound similar. And that's because translators haven't actually translated the Hebrew. They've simply uh, created a new English word, which is not always that helpful. The Hebrew term Shabbat literally means to rest, and specifically to rest from labor, you know, to cease normal work activities. Uh, our, uh, Our word holy, English word holy, comes from the Hebrew term kadash, which means to set something apart, set it apart from from normal common use, make it unique, make it distinct. So here's my Reiki translation of this, right? God says to the people, remember the day of rest. Remember the, the cease from ordinary work day. Remember it in order to set it apart, to make it different, to make it distinct. That's essentially what the text says. And that's the basic command. The question is, how do we understand this, uh, this Yom HaShabbat, uh, this, this day of rest idea? Well, to remember something means to look back, right? And uh, in this case, it means to look back to the creation and the context in which this whole Sabbath rest thing is founded. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, we're told that uh, in the process of creating our world and everything in it, including us, that God labored for what's described as six days. We're told that by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he, and here's our word, Shabbat, he rested from all of his work. Then blessed the seventh day and made it, here's our other word, holy, set it apart, made it different. Because on it, he Shabbat, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Now notice, there is no command in Genesis 2. It's just a statement of fact. That God was busy creating for over a period of time, and then he rested from his work, i.e. he ceased doing what he was doing. Uh, Not because he was tired or sweaty and needed a shower or get a burger and watch the Bears game. You know, God, God rested in order to enjoy what he accomplished, to enjoy his creation. And so God sets this this divine example for uh, the Sabbath rest idea, but it's, it's not commanded in Genesis 2. In fact, it's, it's, it's not even mentioned again in Scripture until the Israelites are rescued from slavery. The first we hear of it again is in Exodus 16. Moses and the people had been out of Egypt for about a month and a half. They were, they were hungry because there's not much to eat out there in the wilderness. Trust me, I've been there. I've seen it. There's not much there. So God miraculously provides the manna, uh, manna means stuff. What's the stuff, basically, is a translation. But God provided, it's like this wafer uh, that God provided for them every day. And, and so for six days, uh, the Israelites, they go out and they work at gathering up the manna. And on the sixth day, they get twice as much as they needed. And so Moses says to them, he goes, you know what? Tomorrow is to be, to be a day of Shabbat, a rest day, a holy, set-apart, made-different rest day to the Lord. And so the Israelites on that seventh day, they took a break. They didn't go out to gather manna. In fact, God didn't make any. He didn't provide manna on that day. He rested as well. 
Fast forward another month and a half to Exodus 20, where for the first time, God actually commands his people to rest. Again, he says to them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, why why did God decide it was necessary to issue that command at that point in the history of his people? Um, I mean, God modeled rest in the process of creation, but never commanded it until then to now. Why? Well, think of the cultural context. The Israelites had just come out of 400 years of slavery, four centuries of non-ending hard labor at the hands of Egyptian taskmasters, and it was brutal. More than four generations of men, women, and children had come and gone and knew nothing of life except that of slaves. And now, now God had set them free. They were his people, loved and liberated. No longer did they have to behave like slaves. No longer was it necessary to, to drive themselves to the point of total exhaustion and collapse. It was unhealthy. It was ungodly. But, you know, old habits die hard, and, and, and it was the only lifestyle these pe- the people knew. Because back in Egypt, it was hard labor all day, every day. There were no weekends, there were no vacations, no breaks, no rest, no, no, no Shabbat whatsoever. And so God's message to the people is this. He says, look, creativity and productivity and, and hard work is a good thing. Uh, I modeled it for you, but he says, don't enslave yourselves again to work. You need to rest. You need to get a break from your normal work routine. You need balance. You need a healthy life rhythm. So work six days, fine, that's good. But then Shabbat, rest. Follow my example. Set aside a day and enjoy the fruit of your labor and and celebrate life together and and remember the Lord. You know, remember, he says, remember me, the Lord your God who loves you and has graciously set you free. Okay, you guys tracking so far? So understand, God's command to observe a day of rest was never about legalistic rules. It was and is about rhythm. There's a rhythm, there's a pattern built into creation. It proceeds from the character of God. Rhythm means God worked and rests, and, and he's left that stamp of himself on his creation and on us. And we're called to imitate him. And we need to. Because it's a good and healthy thing. See, this, the Sabbath day command was an expression of grace. <laughs> grace spoken into the lives of driven, tired, harassed workers. And it's said to the Israelites, and it says to us today, to, to accountants and housewives and carpenters and, and, and coaches and teachers and technicians and lawyers and doctors and pastors and everybody else. It says, you may stop working now. You must stop at least for a day, not simply to rejuvenate yourself, although that's part of it. Neither is it, is it to pr- just to pursue personal pleasure. It, it, it's, about, it's about enjoying and celebrating life and acknowledging God and all that he's graciously given to you. It's, a, it's, about, it's about rhythm. It's about freedom. It's always been about that. Yet ironically, some want to use this commandment to re-enslave people. Uh, and that became true in Israel. In a vain effort to, to be more you know, religious, the religious leaders made the command to rest a legalistic injunction. 
one that just burdened everybody with all kinds of strict, unreasonable, and just plain goofy man-made rules. They filled the day with, with don'ts and won'ts and shouldn'ts and couldn'ts and can'ts. And, you know, so, so for most of the people, and I think it's true right up until now, for a lot of people, the Sabbath day was a negative, had this negative oppressive feel to it. And that was never God's intention. I mean, I hope you guys realize that God's not sitting around in heaven trying to figure out ways to make our lives boring and more regimented and miserable. God's goal is to help us find healthy rhythm in order to protect us and to strengthen us and to free us uh, in a way that we experience the best that life has to offer. But, you know, as sinful human beings, we have a tendency to miss the point. And uh, that was true of religious leaders in Israel, because by the time Jesus came around, they had developed a complicated rest day observance that was just ridiculously restrictive. I mean, the Sabbath had become uh, about what you, you, you shouldn't and couldn't do. It became a guilt-ridden, pressure-enslaving, legalistic deal, rather than uh, the freeing gift that God meant it to be. I mean, even... Even the, even the Jewish people recognize this. Even the Mishnah. The Mishnah was a, an ancient rabbinic record, written record of first century Jewish oral tradition. And even the Mishnah states in a, in a tongue-in-cheek manner, it says, The laws of Shabbat are like mountains hanging by a hair, for they are little scripture, but many laws. The people were debilitated by this. So what did Jesus say about it? What did Jesus say about Sabbath and rest? And I think the best way to summarize his teaching is to look at a few key statements he made. One of the most important had to do with his right to teach about it in the first place. Uh, in, in the New Testament, Mark, in his gospel, writes about, about how one Saturday, and, and the, the equivalent, uh, the day of rest for the Israelites is the equivalent of our Saturdays. And... Um, uh, he talks about a Saturday when Jesus and the disciples were on their way to the synagogue and they were walking through a grain field and, uh, Mar- uh, you know, Mark and, and, and Peter and John, they were all hungry. So they, they picked some heads of grain and they were eating them and some religious leaders saw them do it and they come rushing up and they get up in Jesus's face and they challenge him and they say, look, 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 look what your disciples are doing. You know, why are they doing what's unlawful on the day of rest? They're working on the day of rest. Are you okay with this? Are you condoning this? And uh, Jesus responds, he said, well, uh, King David did it when he was hungry, so sure. In the case of moral urgency and human need, absolutely, it's okay to pick grain and eat it on the Sabbath. And then after stating his approval, Jesus said this to them. He said, you know, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, he says to the religious experts, he says, you know, I have divine authority to define what is and isn't acceptable, not you. And with that, you know, the religious guys freak out because, because they knew he was claiming to be God in the flesh. And so in one statement, Jesus affirms his authority to teach about the Sabbath. The second statement had to do with, with defining its purpose. Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. A big distinction. Translation, that the fourth commandment is not an aimless rule to keep or a religious hoop to jump through. God gave it to people to help them, not hinder them. He gave it to free us, not burden us. So some of you may say, well, okay, I kind of get that. I get that part of it, but I'm a little fuzzy on what I'm supposed to do on the Sabbath. 
And uh, to clarify that, we can look at Jesus' life and get an idea on how to remember uh, how to, the Sabbath, how to, how to make it holy, how to make it different, how to make it distinct. And first of all, as we've already noted, we need to at some point or another rest. That's what the word means. I mean, it's no secret. Life can be a grind, yeah? It can be a grind. Work responsibilities day after day, the stress of that, the long hours, it takes a toll on us. And God knows that. God, God understands our limitations. I mean, he created us. And he has set this rhythm in motion. In fact, the seven-day work-rest cycle modeled in Genesis 2 and commanded in Exodus 20 has been labeled by social scientists as Israel's greatest gift to humanity, perhaps the most revolutionary one in all the history of human progress. In other words, the experts say, it's a good idea. (laughs) This is a good idea. It's effective. It's healthy. Um, Over the centuries, some have tried to improve on this rhythm. For example, during the French Revolution, um, some anti-Christian leaders abolished the seven-day week only to find that the, 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 the health of the nation was deteriorating, and so they eventually reinstated it. Certain communist systems, like the former Soviet Union, proclaimed the, what they called the new man theory and inaugurated a 10-day uh, week. And, uh, well, as we all know, that social experiment f- failed as well. You see, you can't improve on what the Creator designed. And God says, at the very least, man, at the very least, for every six days worked, we need a day to rest, to cease our, no- our normal work activity, our normal work routine, and do something different. And, and Jesus obviously held to that because he was never accused of personally violating the fourth commandment. But here's the next question. You know, okay, so uh, that's all well and good, but what, is, what does resting from work um, mean? Does it mean we do nothing? We just sit around, twiddle our thumbs. Do we shut down our brains and our bodies and plop on the couch and stare at the wall for 24 hours? Is that what we do? Well, no. The day of rest isn't meant to be a long, boring day where we do absolutely nothing. As human beings, we're not only, we not only have physical and emotional needs, we have spiritual needs. Exodus 20 says, the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a day of rest to the Lord your God. In other words, it's a time we set aside during the week when we come together and we remember, we remind each other how there's more to life than just buying and selling. And there's a greater purpose to our existence than working and dying. And we're not just a cog in the social machinery or a number on a social security list or some company's insurance policy. We are men and women loved and valued by God, the God who created us. And rest from work gives us the freedom to acknowledge him and celebrate the life that he's given us, see? And therefore, we not only rest, but we worship. It's so sad to me to look around at our culture today and realize how we live in in what is arguably the busiest, wealthiest, and most entertained culture on the planet, and yet so many men and women just struggle uh, with a deep, deep sense of despair and pessimism. We have more things to do and more stuff to do it with, yet the more we have and the more we do, it seems the less happy and content we are. And while most Americans get days off work each week, they're still worn down. And and people are just still worn down. They're stressed out. They're drugged up and not genuinely rested. Why? Because true rest and true peace and comfort and joy and fulfillment and contentment is found in God alone. And if you turn your back 
on the one who's able to give your life meaning, give purpose to your very existence, and, and let you know that it's more than just working and dying. If you ignore him, man, you're lost. You're just struggling. And that's a problem. But some people in our culture, you know, some people attend church services every week. Some, some do it for the programming. Some do it because it's sort of the religious and respectful thing to do. And I'm just wondering, you know, why do you come? I mean, why are we here this morning? I would suggest we're here so that we can together worship and encounter God. You know, the busyness of our week, we come together as his people so we can affirm his love and we can affirm his power and we can affirm his, his greatness and goodness. And we can together invite God to speak into our lives and into our relationships and into this community. And we can listen to what God has to say about things and we can submit ourselves to, to, to him and we can thank him for all that he's done and all that he's given us. And we can celebrate his goodness and his grace and share in his mission to our world. But my fear is a lot of Christians are confused on this day of rest thing and they fall into worshiping leisure more than the Lord their God. Given our social or societal obsession with entertainment and recreation, we end up believing with the rest of the culture that every and any day off work is about me. It's about me. It's about my time. It's about my break. It's about my fun. It's about my, me indulging my personal whims and, and wishes. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, relaxing, having fun, doing our own deal on days off is, is certainly part of, of, of rest. But, but the greater part of the Sabbath is about worship. Jesus modeled that. While he did a lot on the Sabbath, he spent a good part of it in the synagogue. In fact, um, one, one Sabbath day, he was... Um, he was in the synagogue, and there was a man there who was crippled. His hand was, was shriveled up, and, and the religious guys were there, and they said, Hey, Jesus, look at this guy. Uh, tell us something. Is it lawful to heal on a day of rest? And they knew full well that they had laws against it, rules against it. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said to them. He said, he said, You know, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Sure you will. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then Jesus healed the man. And in so doing, demonstrated how remembering the Sabbath isn't just about resting, but worshiping God and serving others. You see, the day of rest doesn't mean you just do your obligatory religious time and then, and then bolt out as fast as possible. Jesus said it's, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Here's my Reiki translation. On the day of rest, selfless acts of giving to and serving others is not only acceptable, but encouraged, expected, and modeled by God himself. Christian theologian and author J.I. Packer once put it this way in his book entitled Keeping the Ten Commandments. He wrote, freedom from secular chores secures freedom to serve God and his people. And he's right. So rest, worship, Serving others, all part of the Sabbath experience. Is it part of yours? Every week, is it part of yours? And what about today's Christian context? You know, ever since the Sunday of Jesus' resurrection 2,000 years ago, his disciples, his followers, his church have all met on Sundays as a day of rest, you know, for prayer and teaching and communion and service and worship. And we do the same. But just like in ancient Israel, 
And just like in the early days of the church, there are some who want to take this day of rest and make it a religious legality. They want to dictate do's and don'ts, shoulds, couldn'ts, and and can'ts. They want to set up a system of rules and regulations on, on the what, the how, and even the when of the Sabbath. In the Apostle Paul's day, there were a group of false teachers going around the church. The whole book of the whole letter of Galatians is about this. There were a group of false teachers going around. They were called Judaizers. The word literally means to live like a Jewish person. And these Judaizers were going around to the churches and they were saying to people, hey, belief in Jesus is good. You know, belief that Jesus is all well and fine, but it's not enough. It's not enough. They were telling people, you have to keep Jewish ceremonial law. You've got to keep dietary customs. You've got to keep festivals and circumcision and Saturday Sabbaths. You've got to do all that in order to be a true Christian. And it was, it was this Jesus plus works mentality. And Paul absolutely condemns it. He condemns them for saying it. And he says to the Christians in the church, he says, remember, it is for freedom. <laughs> it's for freedom Christ set you free. Do not enslave yourselves again to foolish religious legalism. For by grace alone you've been rescued. Grace alone you're saved. Not works of any kind. Paul writes this about it. He says, he says to the church, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. He says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In other words, he says, he says to the church, the Sabbath, the, the taking of a day of rest is meant to help us not enslave us to religious legalism. It's not some meritorious thing that we have to do and we do it on a certain time. No, 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 no. And anyone who suggests otherwise violates the very reality, Paul says, of Jesus' gospel, which is what? The gospel of grace. In fact, here's the irony of attaching any kind of religious merit to the keeping of a specific Sabbath day or any ritual for that matter. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, the writer draws a fascinating analogy between the gospel of grace, the Sabbath day of rest, and the eternal Sabbath, the eternal life, the eternal rest, sometimes referred to as God's rest. And he's writing about this and he says, look, for the good news came to us and we have believed, we who have believed entered that rest. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. You know what he's saying there? He's talking about eternal life and all these things. What he's saying is when we experience the grace of God through faith in Jesus, we get to rest. (laughs) We get to rest now and forever. And we get to rest from the most discouraging and debilitating work of all, the work of trying to earn our own rescue, our own salvation by some way of of human effort and religious rule-keeping. It can't be done. And therefore, to make the Sabbath some kind of a legal matter is an ironic violation of the Sabbath rest principle itself. I mean, Jesus called himself Lord of the Sabbath or Lord of rest for a reason. The people all around him were spiritually burned out and broken down from trying to keep a ridiculous number of religious rules and regulations and rituals. And so many of them had just given up. They'd given up on religion. They gave, some of them gave up on God because they just weren't good enough. They couldn't be perfect enough. They couldn't keep all the rules. And Jesus was like, of course you can't. And then he, he issued one of the most heart-melting invitations of human history. 
Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Shabbat. I'll give you rest for your souls. Now, I realize, you know, we've come a long way from Genesis 2, Exodus 20, Jesus in the New Testament. But here's why. Because throughout the scriptures, the idea of Shabbat, the idea of rest, carries both temporal and eternal implications. And someday, you know, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about it. But, but for now, let's just go back to Exodus 20. when God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. He said it because he cared about the physical and spiritual needs of his people. That's why he did this. He still cares. He doesn't want us to be enslaved. He wants us to take a break each week from the normal work routine and together celebrate life and worship him who has given us all that we have. So understand, the Sabbath was and is about healthy rhythm, not ritual. It's about love, not legalism. It's about freedom, not slavery. It's about rest, not regulation. And ultimately, ultimately the Sabbath is about grace. It's about, it's about the grace of God who longs for all of us. We who are weary and burdened by life and sometimes by religion to find and experience true Shabbat, true rest in him, both now and forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess that as broken, uh, wounded, sinful people, imperfect in so many ways, finite in, in, uh, finite in our understanding, that sometimes we miss the point of what you do and what you've done. As we look at the life of your people, Israel, and all the years of slavery, it just it makes sense that they needed to learn how to rest. They needed to understand how to experience the rhythm that you have, you have infused into creation, the rhythm that you have modeled for us of work and rest. And even today, as your people, we uh, sometimes lose sight of how to do that well. We get caught up in the busyness of work and, and earning our way and, and paying our bills. And, and then when we have a day of rest Oh, it's all about me, about what I want and what I want to do. And, and, and yet you tell us we're, 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 we're physical and we're intellectual and we're spiritual beings. And we need to be fed in all those areas. And so the Sabbath is about coming together as your people um, to be to find spiritual renewal together, to be reminded that we're just not, we're not just the cog in the social machinery. We're not just, we're just not just a number on an insurance policy or on a social security list. We're, we're your people. You've loved us. You've created us. You've made us who we are and you know what's best for us. And you tell us you need some time to rest and remember all that you've given us. And when we do that, we're able to move forward and where we find hope and we find um, inspiration and we find renewal week to week. And so I pray you'd help us to understand this. Understand that it's not an issue of earning merit. It's an issue of, of 
being with you and being with each other. And so we commit ourselves, or at least I pray that we commit ourselves to, to engage this rhythm that's healthy and good that you've modeled and that will follow after you with our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.